Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. So we are recording. Hey, you know what? Listen, do you hear that? Nothing. Nada. There's no leaf blowers going on Hooray. in my backyard. I am so excited. It is absolutely quiet. Yeah, but I have lawnmowers. Can you hear the lawnmowers outside my house? I have birds chirping. It's really nice. East Hampton um, just passed their law that you're not allowed to use leaf blowers between May 20th and September 20th, right? The ongoing saga of Annette and her leaf blowers. Yeah. Now what am I going to talk about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's been nice knowing you. <laughs> well, our gardening columnist would like to come on and discuss leaf blower laws. Yeah, is that true? That's very true. Ooh. All right, then next week. That'd be a great podcast. We will do that. We promise. Better make sure I'm ready to download that juicy one. <laughs> <laughs> all leaf blowers all the time. <laughs> We're going to talk about much more interesting forms of entertainment, though, today. Um, happy Memorial Day weekend, by the way. We're here. Finally. We made it. I think it was a year ago that we did our first podcast. Really? Did you it, realize that? Was it a year ago mm-hmm. this week? Was it Memorial Day? Yeah. Was, was it really? Wow. I don't think, honestly, we had any intention of actually putting it out to the world, but next thing I know. We picked Memorial Day weekend to do our first podcast? I don't think we picked it. I just think we were in such a weird funk and not, you know, not sure what was going to be happening in the summer with COVID that we just decided to record it on a whim and on a whim it got posted and on a whim everybody expects us to do it every week now. So now here we are. Well, I think also we didn't, it wasn't a traditional Memorial Day issue, unfortunately, for the Express News Group. And, you know, in a way it was like one of those many things that we did as a group together that, you know, Annette and I have been talking about doing a podcast for years and it was just like, okay, so since we're meeting on Zoom all the time anyway, let's just- Let's put on a show. Let's do it. And it- With Mickey Rooney. <laughs> of course we had far fewer things on our plate last year when we started that so now the podcast is like let's just get this in here so, so yes a lot has changed in one year um the express magazine came out the, the summer book and it is the thickest it's almost like a sears catalog that's how thick it is it really is i kind of want to go right to the back and look for the toys is it 194 pages um 84 84 yeah what 84 and then that's the largest magazine the company has ever done. And, you know, for those who are just learning about us or just tuning into us, you know, we just merged our companies a little less than two years ago um, when Gavin and I came over from just our little Sag Harbor Express and um, took over at the press news group and combined those two. And neither company has ever had a magazine this big. So it's a real exciting time especially given that last year we didn't even have a summer book magazine because of everything that was happening with covid so uh, and it's beautiful the magazine really is beautiful it's very very nice just don't get it wet it's my advice (laughs) but 
Yeah, but that's the secret. If you if you know, you can make temporary tattoos out of it. Yeah, yeah which is one of the stories included in the magazine. Yeah, the story of tattoos. They, it's yeah, it's a lot different this year. One of the one of the big things that's happening this weekend that we're going to talk about a little bit is the official grand opening of the Sag Harbor Cinema. 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 It's been um, a really long time in the making. I think the uh, almost five years the cinema burned down um, well not down but a lot of it burned on december 16th 2016 and um, the sag harbor partnership organized to start a new nonprofit organization raise funds and was able to purchase the property rebuild the cinema and it's pretty astounding and it officially opens this weekend with all sorts of really cool really cool movies um they even have movies for kids which is something sag harbor cinema never did before they're showing alice in wonderland which is a little trippy and maybe not always kid appropriate but i have a feeling that a lot of parents will be happy to take their kids in there um so that's what we're going to talk about today but first we'll do our our usual introductions and we have bill sutton manning the controls again hi annette i'm bill sutton i'm the managing editor of the express news group and we have Brendan O'Reilly with us. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Annette. I'm Brendan O'Reilly. I'm the features editor. And what's that backdrop? Is that like, who wants to be a millionaire or something? It does look like that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it's the Batcave. The Batcave. I mean, Bruce Wayne was a millionaire. Right? So you want to be a Batman. And we also have Catherine G. Manu with us. Georgie, hi. How are you? Hey, Matt. I'm good. I'm Catherine Manu. I'm one of the publishers of the Express News Group, and I'm very happy to be here. And Joe Shaw's with us again. Hiya, Joe. How you doing, Annette? It's Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. I don't think you've been with us for a few weeks, have you? I, I missed a week or two. Yeah, I think I did, but I'm back on the horse now. And I missed you. Good. I know. It's like, well, you're our comic relief. We needed you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If that's my epitaph, I'm okay with that. You're so yeah. funny, Joe. Yeah, that's in, in my in my own mind. He's always got something goofy going on in his life that we can razz. Like, we could talk about the Penguins loss today if we'd like. We can. Uh, and, and to all the sports fans out there, it lets me uh, tell my favorite joke, which is Penguins goalie Tristan Jari was so upset after his loss last night to the Islanders that he threw himself in front of the team bus and it rolled between his legs. That's a hockey joke. Cause see, he's the goalie. See? Yeah. I need to insert the laughter. <laughs> That's where you insert a brilliant <laughs> laughter. Yeah. That's my favorite sports joke. It took me a minute too. <laughs> and I'm Annette Hinkle. I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And as mentioned, Sag Harbor Cinema reopens this weekend, um, and it's been kind of a long time coming. They got some really cool things going on. I don't know. I'm curious which of the movies y'all might be interested in seeing, but um, but they're showing Gravity in this new um, audio type of, um, I guess they have this new system called Atmos. Do you guys know about this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, heard. I guess it's really interesting because it allows directors to really pinpoint where the sound will will go so you get more of a 3d experience they actually have that technology for home theaters as well and it bounces sound off of the walls and the ceilings uh to give you more of a three-dimensional kind of yeah feel. so they're doing and they're also they're going to be showing a quiet place too which is that scary movie about don't make a noise because it'll get you and that apparently is an atmos and really really effective and um and i haven't uh, i don't know if it has if you guys have been in the theater yet have any of you been there georgie's been there that's it you guys have to go check it out. It's pretty amazing, right? It is. Um, so I was, I've, I've done a tour of the whole cinema facility, which is really beautiful. 
You have the main um, theater, of course, that has a sound system that, you know, really is better than most sound systems that you're going to find in any traditional uh, movie theater. Um, and then there's two other rooms, a small screening room and then kind of a mid-size room. They've got concession. They've got a beautiful upstairs um, bar area that I just can't wait to hang out at someday. Yeah. And then I was really fortunate um, this winter, I was invited to a screening of Avatar, the James Cameron film in the main theater. And it was just myself, my daughter, um, Molly Bishop, who is the executive director of the Sag Harbor Partnership and her son, April Gornick and her husband, Eric Fischel and Susan Mead. And we were all like completely spread apart, masked, but we had this theater experience watching Avatar and it was amazing after being in COVID for so long. It was this really special night. Um, you know, it almost was like a little emotional. And I wonder if people are going to be having that reaction going back to the movies. It's just this, you know, slice of life that we've all grown so accustomed to not having. That was such a big part of um, a lot of people's lives. So, And for those who aren't quite ready to, to sit in a bigger theater, they do have a, the smallest cinema they have is about 35 seats. And I actually watched a movie up there last week and it was great. It was very intimate, but the, you you still had really good sound and really good picture. And um, and they, they were allowing people to rent it out in um, pods of 10. So you could almost still have a private screening, which is really cool. Um, so I, I have to give them credit for, the lineup that they have is really interesting. So in addition to the gravity and the new um, Quiet Place, they've also got a, uh, they got their hands on a 35 millimeter copy of Pulp Fiction, which I guess is kind of challenging um, to find 35 millimeter these days. I will be there for that because Pulp Fiction, I'm a, I'm a film buff and I would not say that Pulp Fiction is the greatest film ever made, but Pulp Fiction is my favorite film, hands down. Uh, by by a fairly wide margin, and I mean I'm I, it's not actually the kind of films I usually watch, but I remember seeing Pulp Fiction in the theater, and when it ended, I was sad. That's the only time a movie was over, and I didn't want to leave that universe. It was just so entertaining. I would have sat for three more hours if it would have kept going. Well, you're going to also appreciate the fact that the um, projectionist, they do have a, a, a brand new 35 millimeter projector at the cinema. And the projectionist is actually a big fan of, of collecting 35 millimeter films. And he apparently has a full slate of 35 millimeter Tarantino trailers that they're going to show before the screening. So, oh my wow. fun. Yeah. So I think that's what's really cool. Like in this era of a lot of cinemas not coming back at all, this cinema is not only coming back, but they've got this commitment to old time technology like that. And Julia, who is the artistic director, has a relationship with a lot of different places around the country, should be able to get her hands on some rentals for 35 millimeter film that aren't always easy to get. So that's very exciting. They're also showing a silent film by Harold Lloyd called Speedy which is really cool, 1928 images of New York City. And I think there's a scene where Babe Ruth actually is in the film. Really? Yep. Yep. You got that. And all sorts of interesting things. So, and oh, of course, we have to mention Don't Look Back. Mm -hmm. D.A. Penny Baker, who was a Sag Harbor resident, made Bob Dylan's film in 1960. 
65 that he went on the road with them and it was released in 67. So this was D.A. Pennybaker, the fly on the wall cinema verite documentary maker, basically traveled to England with Bob Dylan. This is his last acoustic tour. Mm. And so he shot that film and D.A. died in 2019, I believe. They're having a retro exhibition. Some of his film equipment is on view and some stills from Don't Look Back and then they're going to screen don't look back. DA's widow, Chris Hedges, is going to be there to talk about their work together because she's also was his partner in filmmaking as well. And of course, it, it was also just uh, Bob Dylan's 80th birthday. So on Monday. That's right. So. Yeah. So he's happy birthday, Bob. And G.E. Smith will be there to perform some of Dylan's uh, oh, songs. Cool. So that's neat. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, and, and, and for those who are listening, you know, you can read a really great story that actually Annette wrote about this event on 2070s.com. That's right. Hey, thanks for the plug. Because <laughs> <laughs> Hedges herself was sharing it on social media today. It was a really well done piece. Okay. So now now after shamelessly plugging the, uh, the cinema in ourselves, I'm just wondering, do we think that, you know, what's happening with the other movie theaters out here? Um, what do we know about Hampton Bays and the East Hampton Movie Theater and the South Hampton Movie Theater? Well, don't forget West Hampton Beach. The, the Performing Arts Center. No, well, the West Hampton Beach Movie Theater is the Hampton Arts Center. I don't know that one. I thought that had closed. I think it did close, didn't it, Brenda? I mean, I, I think the, the synagogue bought it, right? Yeah, I think so. The Hampton Arts Twin in West Hampton Beach had trouble for a while. And at one point, they did a Kickstarter and they almost closed. And the Kickstarter actually failed, which surprisingly was not their demise. But when there was the switch over to dis, uh, digital distribution of films exclusively, going back to the 35 uh, millimeter print discussion from earlier, they couldn't afford to make that investment. So that threatened the existence of their theater. Uh, they tried to raise the funds for that through people's generosity, but they just didn't get to their target. However, they stayed open since then. They somehow made it work. Uh, but then they normally close during the winter because it's a very expensive old building to heat over the winter. They would lose money keeping the building warm in February compared to the amount of movie tickets they could sell. And then when COVID came and they were forced to close, that seemed to have spelled their demise uh, for real this time because they have no signs that they're ever going to reopen. Yeah, I think they closed last October. Uh, is when the reports came out that they looked like they were closed permanently. So, but that will be a loss because that was, uh, I think it had three screens. Am I right? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think it has two. And I think that's why they call it the twin. Oh, it was twin. I'm sorry. I think at one time it had three screens. But, but a very, very popular theater in, in the village. And they used to do discount nights on Tuesdays or Wednesday. I think Tuesdays, I think mm -hmm. it was. And you'd get the entire village, you know, in that theater on a Tuesday night. It was great. And I think that the Hampton Bays Theater, I think, has already reopened, right? I mean, we had a, a story on it last week, and then we had a, a neat story um, this week that one of uh, one of our uh, college writers, Julia Hemming, spoke to some young uh, young theater goers in Hampton Bays. It's always been traditionally a a, a hangout for for young folks um, in Hampton Bays who want to go see a movie and then kind of hang out downtown and you've got a lot of you know things within walking distance so she talked to a couple of kids who are really excited about the theater reopening we thought it had closed for good that was another one we thought it closed for good um, because they there was an application to put a cvs store 
there, close the theater and, and kind of restructure new CBS. And that's been, we've been reporting that plan has been before the planning board for a while, but it looks like they're going to make a go of it again, at least for, for this summer. So Regal United Artists um, owned the Hampton Bays, the Southampton and the East Hampton um, cinemas and the East Hampton cinema is open today. In fact, they're showing A Quiet Place 2, Cruella, which is the new um, Disney movie starring Emma Stone as like kind of like a, a young Cruella de Bill from the 101 Dalmatians and then Dream Horse, Scoob, which I'm assuming is a Scooby-Doo movie and Final Accounts. Oh. Um, so that's what's showing today. I mean, so you can go to the movies in East Hampton. Uh, yeah. So Joe, what's it going to be? Pulp Fiction or Scooby-Doo? Yeah, I'm more leaning towards pulp fiction i think but uh i gotta tell you though the cruella film looks kind of cool emma stone's awesome yeah. she could read the phone book and i'd go see that <laughs> i you know what i find interesting though is that the theaters like the one in east hampton and, and hampton bays uh very clearly are, are opening back up in time for summer hoping that there's going to be a big rush of people back into the theaters this summer i'm curious what you guys think do you think that's going to happen because that's a different I think it's a different strategy than the Sag Harbor Cinema, which is looking to do a very premium experience. Um, that's going to be a really cool sort of landmark thing um, with movies, sort of like the Performing Arts Center does in West Hampton Beach now. Um, but I wonder, just the regular movie theaters, has has movie going, was it just put on hold during the pandemic or has it evolved now? I wonder. I, I, it has been declining. I mean, pre-COVID, it was really declining for for a number of years. I think all the theaters were struggling to 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 make any money, and people just weren't going to movies. People were staying home and watching Netflix and uh, you know and other streaming services. And maybe during the pandemic, people just had enough Netflix. Maybe you know maybe now they're going to rush back to to the big screen and and oh my, be around other people. Wouldn't that be interesting? I do want to say, though, real quick about the Sag Harbor Cinema, you know, when you talk about a more curated experience, the cinema is actually really expanding what it used to do and is actually becoming a much more mainstream cinema in its new life than it ever was before. I mean, for those who are familiar with the cinema, that's where you went to get your independent art house films. Like you would never see Alice in Wonderland screening. You'd never see a Marvel movie screening there. And these are all things that the cinema creative directors are saying, look, like we still obviously want to do those art house films. We want to do these special retrospectives, like what they're doing with DA, but we also want to have, you know, blockbuster films and we want this to be a fully accessible place. Um, but I do think I, I'll be curious to see how people feel going back to the movies. I know I have kids. And my daughter is one shot into her vaccination. She is 12. Right. She's not fully vaccinated yet. And she was like, so mom, like, am I allowed to go to the movies yet? And I, my reaction was like, why don't we wait until you're fully vaccinated? <laughs> and then we can have that conversation. She wants to go back. That's the key. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Her her group is, I mean, they're, they're middle school students. Like, this is, having grown up in East Hampton, this is like your first step of independence is going into town and going to the movies with your friends without your parents and then like grabbing a slice of pizza like this is freedom so for them they're all in they're they're just waiting to get their second shots and then they will be at the movies 
Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com So what's changed with this, of course, is now that the Sag Harbor Cinema is offering some of these first releases, you're going to start seeing the movies being shown in East Hampton also being shown in Sag Harbor. Do we think that's a problem, that you're going to have the same movie on both of those screens? I think East Hampton has enjoyed having that um, independent film crowd. Um, East Hampton, while having blockbusters, always had like a couple of independent movies, art house movies on its roster. So it might trip them up a little bit. But from what I understand, as opposed to some of the other local cinemas, while cinema viewing was in decline, I think the East Hampton cinema still did okay for itself. I mean, it wasn't like you know, 10 years ago, but I think that they still drew a decent crowd. You know, the biggest competitors that movie theaters have these days are people's own living rooms. Uh, between, you know, digital on demand, Netflix, Blu-ray, you could have an amazing movie watching experience in your own living room and you don't need to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars the way that you used to uh, back in the day to have just a decent experience. Now for a couple hundred bucks, you could get a very big TV and uh, you could soup up the sound with a sound bar for fairly cheap. You don't need to invest in a super complicated surround sound system to have a good experience. So when we talk about like, well, if the same movie's playing in Sag Harbor and East Hampton, is that competitive? Getting the movie closer to anybody's living room is going to make them more likely to go. If you live in Sag Harbor and you have to go to East Hampton to see a movie, you'll probably just stay home. If you live in Sag Harbor and you only have to go to Sag Harbor to see a movie, yeah, you'll get people away from their Netflix and into a movie theater seat. The thing about the Sag Harbor cinema is they're really um, driven to also have kind of accompanying programs where they talk about things. Like I think they're going to have a sound designer talking about sound design for um, uh, one of the films. I might have been after... A quiet place. So I think that's the other thing that's really different about what Sag Harbor is doing is that um, they're actually curating the experience. Here you see the movie and now you're going to hear the person who actually worked on the sound talk about the sound, you know. Don't discount the significance of a high-tech experience as well. If, if, if the Sag Harbor Cinema is offering really good sound and a really good projection, those things matter, especially to people who like movies. And you, you have a movie like The Quiet Place Part Two, um, which is the kind of movie that I think an argument can be made that would be more effective in a theater. And it'll be even more effective in a theater that can deliver the sound uh, reproduction that you're looking for. So that's the kind of thing that could give the cinema uh, a, a little bit of a boost. You guys are just overthinking it. People have been stuck at home for 14 months. <laughs> they're going to go out and they're going to see any movie that they can in any movie theater that they can. And they're going to go eat too. Yeah, but this is echoes of a long-standing argument that I have with our former arts editor, Andrew Botsford. And by the way, it just flared up again on my golf trip with him this month uh, after about 10 years, which is I make the argument. And as Brendan, I, I'm not sure Brendan is going to necessarily side with me on this, but I've said that I think the home theater experience is actually equal to the theater experience now 
because when you're in on your couch and you're looking at a screen, you're you're that much closer to the screen. The image is about the same size as what you're looking at in a movie theater with a giant screen when you're sitting 60 feet away. And I and Georgie, you're gonna disagree. And and it's absolutely incumbent on people to disagree with me on this because there are two very clear points of view on this. There's no question. Well, no, you're just wrong. I, think so, um, no. I mean, there's there's nothing like, I will tell you about this. This is a perfect example of how your home theater experience will never be what sitting in a movie theater can be like. I went for the first Harry Potter. I was older, um, but I went to see the first Harry Potter opening night. My grandmother and my mom went with me. We were in East Hampton. The lights went down. You know, and it started, and the the, the room was like of bubbling with energy, man. I mean, you could you could feel it in the air, and the movie started, and this kid screamed from the back, "I love Harry <laughs> Potter!" And you know, it was just like you're never gonna have that experience sitting in your living room. No, you're not <laughs> selling me here. This is not a sales pitch. I think I shouted that once in Joe's living room. I, I think. People yelling things out from the back is not what I want at a movie theater. By the way, Georgie, I had the same experience at Ghostbusters. That's how old I am. But one of the things that Julia points out is like, you know, the whole idea of sharing the experience with a group of people that you don't know. It's a huge yeah, part of it. It's overrated. No, but this, listen, Sack Harbor Cinema has a bar up top with great views. And you can go up there and you can fight with the person that didn't agree with your review at the end of the movie. And plus, I have to say, their popcorn is awesome. It's a big thing. Okay. I'm going to say one one thing in Joe's in Joe's favor is I like to be able to pause and go to the bathroom <laughs> at home. That's the only advantage. You can't I pause see. life, my friend. I mean, you don't miss the, like running to the bathroom as fast as you can. <laughs> I'm confused by Annette's pitch because uh, you know I can make my own pitch for why going to the movie theater is better than staying at home, but my pitch would not include. You could go get into a bar fight after you see the movie. Hey, Zach Harper, you could get in a bar fight over a lot of things right now. <laughs> but my counter argument is one of the one of the movies I saw in a theater in recent years uh, was this movie, The Witch. And The Witch is a terrific kind of old thriller. It's it's set in the 1600s. Uh, it's a thriller. It's it's a little bit of a horror film, um, but it was shot with natural light. And the theater I saw it in, the projection was horrific. You could not make out what was happening on the screen. And the sound wasn't great either. And, and they were speaking in old English and that made it harder. And, you know, I, our enjoyment of the film was based in part on that. And when we got home and we were able to see it on the home theater, uh, the picture was crystal clear and the sound was better. And actually, we had the extra benefit of being able to turn on uh, closed captioning for a while to really follow what was being said till we got used to the language, which, by the way, also comes in handy if you're watching train spotting for the first time. Just a little tip for you. Make sure you make sure you turn the closed captioning on, although some people may not want to read those kind of words. I'm not sure. Joe, what theater was that? Uh, it was one of the big box theaters up to the west. OK, because I generally have had better experiences at the bigger theaters out west because they have upgraded their seating they've added bar service they've added restaurants they will bring food to your seat if you pick the right theater and you know the 3d projection that i'm not going to get at home so, uh, one of the theaters up island 
or maybe even more than one, they actually have like scents and moving chairs and vibrations and stuff. They're doing all this stuff to stay competitive and stay at the cutting edge and get people out of their living rooms. It has been at the now deceased West Hampton Theater where I went and I was watching what's in Leonardo DiCaprio movie where uh, you can't tell if you're dreaming or not. Oh, I just watched that Inception. So I, I'm still confused about this. Does that movie have a bunch of random black frames throughout it? Or was that just a terrible projector? That was a bad projector. I just watched that on a plane yeah. coming home. So yes, projector. No, that was a bad projector. And uh, the Harry Potter that you mentioned before, I also went to a midnight showing of Harry Potter. I think this was like the fifth one or perhaps the sixth one. And that was a miserable experience because the projector broke. And then you just had a bunch of teenagers sitting there getting increasingly unruly for like 20 or 30 minutes. And then when the movie started, that did not die down. They, they just ruined the entire movie because nobody would shut up the whole time. I'm not a fan of the communal experience unless it's a blockbuster. And I've gone, I've taken uh, my wife, Dana, to the, the Star Wars stuff, of course, because she's deeply in, invested in that. And that's kind of fun. And I get that. And there are certain movies that I would certainly rather see that. I have to laugh because one of the, there was a movie coming out one time uh, by a director, a very obscure director that I'm a big fan of. Um, his name's Gaspar Noé and his film Enter the Void came out and it was only showing at the IFC theater in New York City. And so I actually went to the IFC theater in New York City. I thought, well, this is great. It's worth the trip all the way to the city to be able to see this and experience it in the theater. You know, and, and it turns out that they sold about 12 tickets to it. And so it was shown in a theater smaller than my living room on a screen about the size of my television. So I drove all the way to the city basically for a home theater projection of this movie. Yeah, now you have a story to tell. So there you go. But I do think that Brendan's right that theaters in this post-COVID world, I think, you know, I think Bill's right that you're going to have this initial like, ah, I've been home for a year. I'll do anything. I don't care what I'm watching. Um, you know, but I think when that dies down again, you know, theaters do have to be competitive and the, the theaters out here, not including the Sack Harbor Cinema, which, you know, is basically completely brand new at this point. Um, they are going to have to get more competitive, you know, like Brendan said, like theaters have upgraded their seating. There's like lounge chairs and, you know, diners, dining service and amazing sound and 3D and 4D experiences. And that's what has been getting people to leave their houses and go to the movies because um, otherwise, you know, you really do question the cost of it, um, the expense of it. It's not, you know, to date myself, it's not the 325 kids ticket that I used to get to the East Hampton, you know, movie theater or even the 725 adults ticket. I mean, you're looking at 20, sometimes $30 just to get in the door. Um, so, and then I think you're seeing the Sag Harbor Cinema in its own way outside of its technology with, you know, retrospectives and GE Smith trying to give you an added experience. I mean, we were talking about A Quiet Place too. John Krasinski has been touring random movie houses all over the country to promote this movie in an effort to just like get people to show up. He's just tired of sitting home too. <laughs> Although he did that fabulous um, Some Good News, which if you haven't watched it, go on YouTube, 
check it out. It was very emotional. It was great. Um, but you know, I think that that's what you're going to have to see. You're going to see people doing that, um, especially as studios are kind of throwing the towel in on cinemas to a certain extent, at least some of them are, um, where they are releasing their films on streaming services at the same time that they are releasing them in theaters. Um, so that's the best of both worlds. You can go either way if yeah. you if you want that. By the way, I think we should probably note that the Southampton uh, UA theater does not appear. The Regal Theater there does not appear to be reopening, and it is up for sale. Um, I'm told that the village is actually working on a plan to try to landmark the marquee to try and keep that as a theater. And of course, we reported this week. Our Steve Coates reported that. Uh, the folks who are planning the new Bay Street um, Theater in Sag Harbor may be having conversations about buying that building as a bargaining chip, if nothing else, uh, for what they're doing in Sag Harbor, although they're apparently also looking at other sites, they say, uh, including in Bridgehampton, but uh, the UA Theater. I know that a lot of people in the last couple of days have asked me if the Southampton Theater is closed for good. So People are noticing and paying attention to that. And I, the answer is, yeah, I believe it is closed for good, at least as of right now. Yeah, sadly, that was, I, you know, I, I learned a lot about the theater history out here um, a while back. And that one in Southampton apparently was the grandest of them all. Um, wow. Originally, it was a giant one screen. If you can imagine that building with mm. one screen, um, probably had balconies. Um, it was wow. pretty spectacular. I think that's what's really sad is the you know, the whole idea that, you know, the, that talk about that huge screen experience, you really have getting that for a while there. Here's some Joe Shaw trivia for you. Mm -hmm. In 1997, when I came out for my interview at the Southampton Press, I stayed out here by myself and went to the movies by myself for the, I believe the only time in my adult life and saw the big Lebowski there. Yeah. Huh. And didn't, didn't like it. <laughs> Didn't didn't like it when I what? first saw it. No, no I know. I, it's just, and I'm a Cone Brothers. I love the Cone Brothers. And I was just like, meh, it was all right. And then, of course, I watched it again. And, and uh, so I, I want to hear this. So I'll give you a couple of movie facts from my life. And I want to hear some from your life. So the first movie I ever saw by myself as a child. And by the way, this is going to be great because I'm so much older. Um, was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And I remember that film, it's burned into my brain because uh, I was just so thrilled that I was there by myself. I, I don't remember how old I was. I was maybe eight, nine, 10. My parents let me go to the movies by myself, uh, which was kind of cool. My first PG movie was Westworld, the original with Yul Brynner. My first R movie was, uh, oh, I just have a metal block. The thing with the little the ball that flies around and sticks and phantasm phantasm how Thank did you. i know that how the heck did i That's know it. that phantasm was my first r movie uh and i was terrified by that movie for a long time after that so what about you guys what do you what were your first your first my first pg movie was at the drive-in it was little big man with Dustin Hoffman. Ah, yes, I saw that as a kid too. And my first R-rated movie was when my sister illicitly took illicitly took me to another drive-in with her friends, and we saw Shampoo, starring Warren Baker. Oh my lord, really? Oh, 
wow. that was racing. Absolutely. And I remember my pa- I remember my mom. I don't even. I, I think she probably put us on the bus. I was probably about six or seven. Bus downtown to the Victory Theater in downtown Dayton, Ohio, a hundred and ten year old theater. And it was one of those deals where once you were in there, they just kept showing the same three movies all over. And I swear, the Jungle Book, um, like like. Uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea or something and fantastic voyage where they go in the guy's ear i mean it was like those three movies i swear i sat through them three times i'm like is anybody coming to get me at any point it was very weird it was a very weird experience i i remember in rochester and this joe you just reminded me so there was this theater it was called the little theater and at nighttime they showed adult movies for adults and um, on Saturday mornings, though, they played all the Godzilla movies on just like on a, on a loop or, or whatever. And um, that was the first time I think I ever went to a movie. I wasn't alone, but it, I went with my brother and my cousins and we had one older cousin so we could we could go alone. And that was the first time that we ever did a real kids thing alone. Parents dropped us off and then picked us up a few hours there later, probably probably many hours later, if I think about it. And they got rid of us for a Saturday and we had a great time. And then I remember seeing Star Wars. The first time I ever saw Star Wars was in Tawanda, Pennsylvania in a very old theater up in a balcony with a different set of cousins. And we spent the entire time. I was fascinated by the whole Star Wars. I remember just the sound of the lightsaber and and watching the light, but we spent a lot of a lot of time throwing popcorn at uh, girls down down on the on the main line. That was you! Oh my god! That was me. Yeah, this is why I don't want to go to a movie theater. <laughs> um, so I I don't have like I can't remember what my first PG movie was, my first R-rated movie. Um, I think the first movie though I saw in a movie theater might have been Splash with Tom Hanks. Um, I was with my mom. Um, and my twin sister. Splash was a big one in our house. Um, and then I do remember in the summers, I, I spent my winters um, here in East Hampton in the summer, I would go to Southern California to spend the summer with my biological father. And my twin sister and I would get dropped off on Saturdays at this movie theater in Palm Desert that showed like double features. It was Palm Desert, so in the summer, you average like you hit like 115 degrees almost every day. It's very hot. So you want to be inside and they would do things like show short circuit one and two and you know, or not Spider-Man, Superman one and two or three and four. And that was like kind of our afternoon would be watching these like kid friendly classic movies and eating popcorn and my parents didn't have to watch us for the afternoon. So I grew up in East Patchogue and our local movie theaters were, I think it was Patchogue was the UA and Brookhaven was the NA, National Amusements. Both of them are gone now. Uh, one of them I think became a housing development. I don't even know what happened to the other, but we would spend a lot of time there as kids and as teenagers. And you know, there was a one point in high school where like we didn't even have to make plans. We just assumed that like every Friday we'd be going to the movie theater and just not even deciding what movie we we're gonna see till we got there. Um, but at the time, you know, you need to have your parents' permission to go uh, get into an R movie. So you might have the parent come in and buy the tickets for you if they like really didn't care that you saw a particular R-rated movie. But most of the time it involved, you know, sneaking into the R-rated movie. Uh, up until you were 17, they would like ID you or check 
So, we, you know, we'd buy tickets to like a Disney film and then we'd go see like Scream 3 or something <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, but that was pretty routine for a while. And, um, you know, in, in the later days when all of the, you know, Marvel blockbuster films came out, that's when I really started going to midnight showings fairly regularly like I think my first midnight showing was probably episode three of Star Wars in college and we actually did a trip uh, with a bunch of us into New York for that and that was like a big to do and like Target was handing out commemorative coins to people online which I still have um, but then the midnight showings used to be able to do that in Southampton or in Hampton Bays or sometimes we'd go up island to do that and I think it was actually after the Aurora movie theater shooting that they got rid of Thursday night midnight showings for Friday movie openings. And they would just start to have it uh, that if a movie officially opened on Friday, the earliest showing would be like seven o'clock on Thursday. And they just got rid of midnight showings altogether. One of the theater experiences I remember the most though, and this is actually, it was at the Southampton Theater. Um, was Dana and I, both of whom grew up in the woods of Western Pennsylvania, uh, went to see the Blair Witch Project, the first one, before it was really widely known, the whole backstory. If you remember the original, they were sort of, they were sort of non-committal about whether this was real or not. And it, it was fairly obvious it wasn't real, but it, but there was enough there to give you pause. And I remember we left the theater First of all, the theater was just completely silent when the movie ended, which I've very rarely seen in a film. And we were totally freaked out, like like coming home. It, it really spooked us. So I feel a little silly saying that now because the movie's not, you know, I watch it now and it's like, eh. but at the time it was kind of a phenomenon. So it was very original, right? Yeah. And at I don't think time. I would have gotten that if I watched it at home. So that that I think that the communal experience had something to do with my reaction another else you can't really watch at home is the rocky horror picture show which i used to go to at the midnight <laughs> movie in high, in high school oh that was so cool but of course like we're, growing up in ohio it was at the little art theater um near the university of dayton and we were like 16 17 and we would go up there with all our high school friends but the little art theater for most of it did, did you bring the props did you bring the toast and the yeah we did the, 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 the thing that was really creepy about it is it was a porn theater until Rocky Horror. <laughs> so all of these teenage girls are waiting to get in and all these weirdo guys come out and then you have to go oh, sit no. in the exact same they are in. I mean, and I think that that's like what will never really go away. Um, you know, Brendan talks about his experience growing up. I know growing up in East Hampton, like, like Brendan, I mean, from middle school through high school, like on Fridays, that was pretty much like was what your option was of what to do was to go to town and go to the movies. You didn't know what you were going to go see, but you were getting together with your friends and it was this, you know, communal experience that you had and like such a big part of growing up in a smaller town. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think Netflix can take that away. You know, I don't no. think that that's something that streaming services will ever be able to capture because who wants to stay home even with their group of friends and you know watch movies with mom and dad in the next room you know good thing the movie theaters are opening back up again now that the sag harbor 7-eleven is closed so they have somewhere to go somewhere to go so i worked one year in a in a one year in high school i worked in a theater the stutzen theater in arondequoit new york and i must have seen the movie the goonies about 300 times 
And I'll tell you, it comes on TV now. I turn it on. I got to watch it because I think it was just a really cool cult movie and all that. But at the time, so I just I, I watched it about 300 times eating stolen popcorn and Reese's peanut butter cups because this always gets a good reaction. I have never seen the Goonies. <gasps> oh, no, seriously. I mean, never that movie seen. is like my childhood. I, mean, I, know. I watched that movie seriously 300 times probably as well, Bill. Um, I haven't I'm seen it either, Joe. Oh, is that right? Cindy Lauper. I can hear the Cindy Lauper song. I mean, but I got paid to watch it, Georgie. <laughs> I've never seen Titanic. You never saw Titanic, really? Okay. Yeah, you're not messing That's much. I have to tell you, the boat goes down at the end. Just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't ruin it. Come on, spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Talking movies is always fun. Ask the popcorn, please. It's the holiday. Go see a movie. In a theater or in Joe's living room. It's an open invitation. Everybody stop on by. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> don't I have any say here? No, you don't. You're our comic relief. Just put up with it. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.